Hey, I'm so glad to be here today. Thank y'all for having me, and uh, especially in this first Sunday in August. And man, where's the summer gone? It's flown by, hasn't it? Uh, I'm a interaction type of pastor. I, I'm, I'm the executive pastor at Five Point Church. So when I ask a question, kind of want an answer, okay? All right, so I, I, I'm an interactive pastor, so I'll be asking some questions to you guys today, and y'all holler back at me, at me if y'all want to, okay? So uh, basically, the last time that I preached was back in March, and it was because our pastor had a heart attack that morning at 4 a.m., a very mild heart attack. So I've gotten a little bit more time to prepare this morning's message than I did that morning whenever I got up at 5.30 and started working on that. Our pastor is fine, Dean Herman. He's my father-in-law. And I'm going to be perfectly honest with you, we absolutely love Four Points. Um, we feel like we are walking through ministry with you guys and uh, just, just love all of y'all. I've been over here a few times on a Wednesday night or a Sunday night for a youth event over here one night. And then I was able to preach one time at Pizza Inn which was just amazing with all the breakfast pizza and stuff over there. I would not have done well on my diet today if, uh, if we had that. But I show this clip of American Idol for a reason. They're horrible, right? They think that they can sing. They think that they sound amazing, that they are the next American Idol. But they're terrible. I mean, did anybody enjoy that? No, no, thank you for answering me. I appreciate that. So here's the thing. A few years ago, year and a half ago, actually, and, y'all, I am a wannabe singer, okay? I, I have no musical ability in my body, but I love to sing. And I have concerts in my car. And I know lots of you have concerts in your car, too, so don't look down on me for this, all right? All right. So here's the thing, I'm having a concert in my car. Well, I have a, now it's a four-year-old and a seven-year-old, boys. They're four-year-old and seven-year-old. But then they were two and five. And we're having a concert, and my, my two-year-old then has just learned to talk. And I am just singing. It's, it's some Chris Tomlin song, and I am just, I, I am good. I'm better than Chris Tomlin. So I'm singing, I'm singing, and all of a sudden I hear this just like weeping in the back and, 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 and saying, Daddy, Daddy, and I turn around because I thought he'd hurt himself. I thought Grayson had hurt himself. He said, Stop, Daddy, stop. And I'm like, What? What? So I pull over to the side of the road, I stop. He's like, You're so loud and bad, it's hurting my ears. I can't think. The honesty of a child, right? Okay. But also, I wasn't hearing what I thought I was hearing. What I thought I was hearing was Chris Tomlin, which was myself. But in reality, it was the true me, which is tone deaf, a horrible singer, and really needs to keep it to himself, or between me and God at least. So on my way over here today by myself, we had a concert, okay, me, myself, and God, and I think he loved it. But here's the thing. We truthfully think that we hear God sometimes when in essence we're actually just hearing ourselves because we can't get ourselves out of the way of hearing him. And so today we're going to dig into this root series some more on hearing God. 
hearing what he is all about and how we can communicate with God. I just want to give you some examples from the Bible, okay? Because there's a few. You know, there's a few examples in the Bible of people hearing God. And the first one's just Moses in the burning bush. Okay, I, I mean, he heard God. God said, take your sandals off because you're standing on holy ground. And there's this bush in the wilderness, basically in the desert, and it's burning, and it's not burning up. And I think you'd hear God whenever you see that, right? I think I would. The next one is he got Jonah's attention, didn't he? I mean, if you find yourself sitting in the belly of a fish, God gets your attention. So he heard God. But prior to that, he had heard God as well, and he didn't heed his advice, right? He didn't listen. Paul on the road to Damascus, he's blinded. He hears God audibly. God basically smacks him in the face and says, what are you doing to my people? And what does he do with Saul at that time who becomes Paul, who was killing Christians? He uses him to start basically Christianity, the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then how about Mary? She was approached by the angel Gabriel and told that she would be with child. And then I love this one. I love this one. How about the Roman centurion and his dream? And he knows that, man, God has called him to do something, and he sends his soldiers out to go find someone with that answer. And he becomes the first follower of Jesus Christ outside of the Jewish people and makes it to where we have that opportunity because we are not Jewish, we have that opportunity to know Jesus because we are what's called Gentiles. Okay, those are some big words right there, but here's the gist of it, is that people hear God in many different ways, but so many times we don't slow down enough to figure that out before it's too late. And today I'm just going to go through several different ways in which God talks to us and really kind of demonstrates his will in our lives to us that we miss so many times. And here's the great thing about this, guys, is that I'm not preaching at you. I am preaching to myself as well. Man, I miss God all the time. Let me share with you a story. This isn't in the notes. This is free. It's what my father-in-law says all the time, five point, and that's like a 20-minute tangent. But this one's going to be quick. All right. So I went, and I am a Clemson boy, okay? I went and started working for them at the age of 26 for the football team. I was the academic advisor for them and did that for six years and knew that I was going to become an athletic director. That was my goal in life was to become an athletic director. So I started my PhD there so that I could get ready for athletic leadership and to be that leader in an athletic department somewhere across this country. About three years in, I was working my way up the ladder doing exactly what I felt like I'd been called to do. And my father-in-law approaches me one day while we're jogging, and he says, Lawson, in between gasping for air, Lawson, you need to come work at the church. And me on the other side said, you're crazy. I'm not going to do that because that's not what I want in life. So I just dismissed it. 
two years down the road, I am miserable in my job. Nothing had changed. Nothing had gone wrong. As a matter of fact, we had just set the highest GPA in the history of Clemson. We had the most guys on honor roll. I had a 100% graduation rate. It was amazing what was taking place. And I was miserable. I was empty. Little did I know that my wife was praying for me to be miserable. <laughs> Power of praying wife is something scary. I didn't know that. Dean was praying for me to be miserable. And they approached me again. And at this time, God had softened my heart to the point where I was going to listen. The pride had been stripped away. My selfishness had been stripped away. My blinders had been stripped away. It became not about me, but about God. And there's a lot of us at that stage in life right now where we have to take a step of faith but we're missing it because of our pride and selfishness and blinders that are on us. Now, here's how the world, you know, the world is, we're so technologically driven now. You know, and so Christianity tries to come up with these real catchy ways in which we can get people's attention, right? And so I'm driving down the highway the other day, and I see this billboard, and I'm like, that's not the catchiest way that we can get people to hear God. If it takes us putting up a billboard, people are just going to think, that's weird. Let me explain to you this, that hearing God and being an example of God are one and the same. Because when we hear God, we want to share Him. And that is in our lives. That's how we live our lives. And so the first point in hearing God is that, man, we've got to live our lives accordingly to that. We've got to, we've got to be ready in season and out of season. So let me read you this. In John 8, 47, it says this. Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. Thus, we don't need a billboard. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. That's John 8. 47, Christ is explaining this to us, that wait a second, that whoever belongs to God hears what God says, but the reason you don't hear is that you do not belong to God. Wow. So for those three years that I was walking in the wilderness, as I like to call it at Clemson, which I love, I wasn't hearing God. And I'm going to tell you this much. My relationship with God suffered so much during that time period because it was all about me. It didn't mean that I didn't love God and that I wasn't living for Him. It just meant that I literally was living for myself, most importantly. And so how we hear God becomes an inward thing. And it becomes a heart thing. And we have to start looking inward on this. So I want us to look today just at some ways in which we're going to hear God in a more effective way. Because I'm telling you this much. Here at Four Points, it all starts with you guys. For you to reach this city, this area right here in Greer, technically Greer, right? Okay. For us to reach this area right here, 
It starts with you all. It doesn't start with Mark. It doesn't start with Austin or Josh or Jenny or anybody that's, that's a, a lead volunteer. It starts right here with you guys. That was the thing at Five Point that we had to realize. We got to a point where we were just sitting there, 150, 200 people constantly, and we were like, we were beating our heads against the wall trying to figure out how are we going to get more people in here. Dean was doing all he could. He was working his rear end off. And nothing was working until we started challenging people to read their Bibles each and every Sunday, until we started challenging people to, to start praying, until we started challenging people to share their faith and teach them how to share their faith, until we started challenging people to take ownership in their church and realize that it's not the staff's job, but the church's job to grow a church. It's the staff's job then to love on those that come in and everybody else to love on them as well and to disciple and grow in Christ. So the first way in which we got to do this is to hear God is that we got to be in his word. We hear him through his word. I love this example. Um, I was thinking of it whenever I wrote this. That How many of y'all had a middle school sweetheart? And, and nowadays, this is going to become an obsolete illustration pretty soon here because I'm going to have to talk about text messaging them. But how many of y'all got love letters from your sweetheart whenever you were in middle school or high school? And if you don't raise your hand, then you are lying, okay? All right? All of us did of some way, some sort. Now, what would you do if, uh, if you got that love letter? I would literally, I would open it up, and I would read every single line in it carefully, carefully to see what the meaning was behind every single thing that was written in that love letter. Then I would put it up, and my mind would start wondering about, well, why didn't she put this in that love letter? Why didn't she say it this way? Why? And you would start thinking of all the things that she didn't say as well. And so you would dissect that love letter. You would want to know it, and you want it in your heart. But what would happen if you had this girlfriend, and you love her, but she handed you that love letter, and you kind of open it up, and it says, Hey, Lawson, and it had a long, long, two pages long of letter, and you just crumpled it up and threw it in the trash. I, to, to me, the love really wouldn't be there. She probably wouldn't appreciate it because she probably put a lot of time in putting the hearts over the eyes and, you know, putting all the little, little intricacies there and stuff. She probably wouldn't appreciate that. Well, in the same way, we do that with God's Word. Every day. He has us a love letter. Every day, He has us a love letter. And we can read through this and know more about Him. Know the inner parts of His soul which leads to our soul, and yet we just let it get dusty. We lock it up. We use it as a coaster. But yet we don't dig into it. So where is our love there if we can't hear him through his word? Because I'm telling you, so many times I'll open up this, this 
book, this incredible living word, actually now on my phone I do it, and I'll go through and I'll read through it, and it will apply to exactly the situation that I'm in right now, and it allows me to hear what God has to say to me for this situation because I would have made the wrong decision. Because remember, I'm fallen. I'm a messed up human being. So it's, how do we do this? Well, in 2 Timothy 3.16, it gives us comfort in that. It says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Listen, we have to be in God's word. But it shouldn't be a have to. It should be a want to if we have that true, right relationship with Jesus Christ. I wanted to read those love letters from my girlfriend. My girlfriend never got any love letters from me because I am not romantic in that way. But she always gave me love letters. And I got to read them. And I got to digest them and really learn how she felt about me. Do you ever do that with God? Do you ever digest exactly how much God loves you? That he sent his son to die for you. To take away all of our brokenness and nastiness. Just so that we can hear him and live for him. That's what it's all about. But then let's go to number two. We hear him through other people. Now, this is a slippery slope right here. We hear him through other people. As I'm telling you, everybody has an opinion. The football coaches at Clemson would tell me a a statement like that, and I'm not going to bring it up here, but y'all probably know where I'm going. Everybody has an opinion. And it's not always right. 90% of the time, it's not right. Because that might not be what God has in store for you. But I am going to tell you this, that you need to surround yourself with wise counsel. You need to surround yourself with people that know Jesus and have demonstrated a life that is pleasing to him. And what I mean by this is this. It's easy for me to go around and ask people for opinions, especially on our church. I can tell them and they will tell us, well, you need to do this, 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 and this. But you know who I ask most? It's people that know about our church and about the heartbeat of our church and about what we are trying to do. Well, it's the same thing in the Bible in 2 Samuel when Nathan approaches David. Now listen, we've screwed up in life and and all of us have done some incredibly bad things, I'm sure, in life because we're sinners. Just think of what David did right here. He had just had an affair with Bathsheba had Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, killed to cover up the affair. And now Bathsheba is in the house about to have their child. That's pretty messed up. This dude's a child of God? No way. He's so sinful. That's how we treat a lot of people in the American church. But God still was holding him in his hand. There's consequences for our sin, but sin is sin. That's another sermon. But anyways, all right, so David is there. Nathan is a prophet of God. And he is told by God that he has to go confront David. That's bad, y'all, because 
The king can kill anybody at any point, to be perfectly honest with you. And somebody bringing something negative to David, I couldn't imagine. So Nathan has to man up and go in there, and he doesn't hesitate. He goes in, and he tells him a story. He tells him a story about how God, or how this, this uh, nobleman had all these this cattle, had all these, these sheep and lamb and all, all this stuff, all this livestock, all that he wanted. But there was this little farmer off to the side, and he had his one lamb, and it was precious to him. He kept it in his house, in his little shack that he had, treated it like a son. And the nobleman had some company come in, but he didn't want to kill any of his cattle. He didn't want to do any, kill any of his livestock. So he goes and he takes that lamb and he feeds it to the nobleman and their company. And the nobleman does to the company. David's furious at this. He says, who is this person? I will kill them on the spot. And Nathan turns to him and says, it's you. Now so many times it takes somebody that is walking with God to allow us to see that we are not walking with God or to allow us to see the path that we must take. And sometimes it hurts. The truth hurts sometimes, doesn't it? The truth hurts a lot. And this Nathan and David example is a perfect example of how we hear him through other people. Think of people that just pour wisdom into your life. I mean, my father-in-law comes to mind who is the pastor of our church. I've been with him for almost 17 years, and he has just poured wisdom into my life and allowed me to see a path that has taken me all over the place, just trusting in God. But it's hard to take that step of faith. One of my best friends in college was the example to me. He had proven himself over and over by being just somebody who loved Jesus, and I was struggling with where I was supposed to go to school after I finished Furman. Because professors were telling me that I needed to go to this one academic school to get my Master of Divinity. And then another one was saying, listen, you need to go get your theology degree. You need to learn more about the Bible. And I just didn't know. I was torn. I had scholarship one place. I had to pay the next place. And this guy told me, he said, listen, Lawson, he said, I don't have a piece for you to go to this academic institution. He said, weigh out your pros and cons and let's talk about it. And we did. And after we talked, I had the biggest peace ever. And it was the best decision of my life. It allowed Michelle and I to get started off in our marriage and in our ministry together. And so I went to the school that didn't have the scholarship for me, that was going to cost more, that didn't make any sense. And it wound up making the most sense at the end of it. That's what surrounding yourself with people that know God, will do for you. The next one is this. We hear him through our circumstances. Man, I'm telling you, when it gets to this point, it's like being hit over the head with a brick. Because you're like, man, I missed all of, all of the warning signs that were coming at me. By the time that I figured out that I wasn't supposed to be at Clemson any longer, man, I was, I was stressed to the max. I probably was getting an ulcer. My health was going down. I mean, it was ridiculous what I put myself through because I was running from God. I was running from hearing him. 
How many of y'all have ever just run from God because it scared you what was on the other side? There's a lot of us in here that are having to make decisions like that right now. That you know that you have to take a step of faith out there, but you just haven't heard that confirmation. You haven't heard that, yes, you need to do it. I'm here to tell you, you're not going to hear that yes 100% of the time. God's going to give you a series of events that's going to lead you to that point. And for me, it took three years of torture. The fourth one, we hear him through a still, small voice. 1 Kings 19, 11 through 13 says this. Uh, it says, we hear him through a still, small voice. I'm sorry. The Lord God said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. The Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? We always want bigger is better. And so most of us are coming out after that strong wind that Elijah stayed in the cave on. A lot of us are coming out to see the destruction from the earthquake. A lot of us are looking for that great epiphany that comes upon us when we hear God. But Elijah comes out and God's there in just a gentle breeze, in a whisper. How many times in your life have we had the music cranked up so loud? Have we had the static noise in our life of all the junk that is just so messed up in our lives dictate everything that we do? We can't break out of it. We can't get on the path that God wants us to get on because we have messed up our lives so much doing it our way that we can't hear him anymore. Elijah had just been on top of a mountain taking on the prophets of Baal. About 500 of them, I believe. It was one against 500. And so they're over there and they're cutting themselves and they're trying to make Baal bring fire down on this pile of wood and the sacrifice. And Elijah's just mocking them. He's saying, guys, y'all keep on trying. Y'all keep on at it. Y'all keep on dancing. Dance a little harder, why don't you? Get some blisters on your feet because it ain't going to happen. And then he mocks them some more whenever he comes over and he pours water after water after water after water on top of the altar that has the offering on it, has the wood on it. And there's no way it's going to light. And God rains down this fire from heaven that incinerates everything. And the prophets of Baal are then killed. And Elijah, Elijah starts to doubt God 
immediately. He's had this huge event in his life. And he begins to doubt God immediately. This is how we do in life. We are a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately type of society. And in Christianity, it's what-have-you-done-for-me-right-now. And so he goes off and he goes into a depression and goes and lays in under a tree and then goes for 40 days out into the wilderness and holes up in this cave because the evil queen is wanting to kill him. And God comes to him and says, what are you doing? What are you thinking? But God didn't come to him in the fire, in the, in, in the earthquake. He didn't come to him in the strong wind that was coming through. He came to him in a gentle breeze. And y'all, there's so many times in our life where we miss that. When we have been walking so close with him and we get off track just a little bit. But he's always there. So how do we hear him? We hear him through reading God's word. We hear him through other people in our lives. We hear him through circumstances. We hear him through that still small wind. Still small voice there. But also, we hear him through an actual voice. You're like Lawson, saying God speaks to you like, like Michelle does to me. Michelle's my wife. I'm like, no, I've never heard God. I actually turned the radio down today on the way here after having my concert. And I say, God, I'm getting ready to talk about hearing you. Would you speak to me so that I could have this as an illustration today? It didn't work, but, but it really would have been cool. But here's the thing, God speaks to us in an actual voice. And what I mean by that is this. He says in John 20, 29, Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. He speaks to us through our faith, guys. He speaks to us through our faith. If you have claimed to know Jesus Christ and to live for him and love him and understand that he died on the cross to save you from your sins, then you have Christ living within you through the Holy Spirit. Now, what we do after that hinders us from hearing him. What we do after that either allows us to be an explosive person for Christ that is just contagious with Jesus or else just somebody sitting in a seat on Sunday mornings. My prayer for four points, for five points, for churches all across America is that we start to realize that we have the power of hearing God and hearing what he wants to do in our life and that now we got to be a church of action. At five point, our, our motto is this, as volunteers, to put love into action. We want to love on people. We want to not just hear God, we want to put it into action. And I'm telling you this, God tells us in his word, in his word that we are to go out and we are to love. We are to go out and we are to share him because what is Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ is love. That's the only thing that I can describe him as that would sacrifice his life for me, a wretched sinner. That's the ultimate depiction of love. And every day I want to be able to hear 
what God has to say to me. I don't want to miss the boat anymore. I wasted three years. I don't want to miss that. I don't want to miss three more years of making an impact for his kingdom. I don't want you guys to miss tomorrow of making an impact. Think of people in your life that, that can pour into you. Think of people in your life that you might be able to pour into. I'm here to tell you this. Some of y'all are struggling with stuff right now. Y'all are struggling with how to get out of addiction, how to get out of this adulterous affair that you're in, how to get out of this horrible job that you're struggling with, this relationship that you're in that might be abusive or, or, or just draining you, dragging you down. Y'all, people have a lot of junk in their life, and I experience that every week as I counsel with people at our church. It's amazing to me how people can get so far off of God's will for their life. But all it takes is one thing, and it's this. It's surrendering. It's allowing your life to be taken over by God. And it's just simply praying to Him and saying, God, just take hold of it. God, lead me. I know you, Jesus. I know you died on the cross for me, but I have not been following you. I have not been seeking your will for my life. That's it. Let's pray. Father, I come to you right now and I ask, Lord, that you just have your hand upon us, Father, as we sing this last song. Lord, there's a carpet up here. I, I, I would pray this for people to come up here and just put their knees on. Lord, and to bow to you and ask for forgiveness for not listening to you. But God, to ask for the opportunity to start now, today, to hear your voice. Father, through all these different ways in which we've talked about today, because you're there, God. You're knocking on our door every day, trying to show us the way in which we are to go. Blessed are those that have not seen me and yet believe. You tell us, Father. Lord, we are those. It's all about faith with us. And God, as we sing this last song, allow us to pray in our seats, allow us to pray at the altar. Father, give us an opportunity to seek your will. Lord, we love you and we praise you. Let's stand and sing.